Last year, the Memphis Tigers added a veteran point guard via the transfer portal in Kendrick Davis, who then won the AAC Player of the Year. Could Javon Quinterly find similar success with Penny Hardaway's team? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, folks, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a five times per week daily national college hoop show part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He is Isaac Shade, and we got a couple fun stories here in college basketball to share with you. We're going to talk about Chris Ledlam, who didn't find what he wanted at Tennessee, is back in the transfer portal, what that means for him, what that means for Rick Barnes's team. We're also going to talk about a not-as-fun story with beloved college basketball icon Dick Vitale, who is going through another bout of cancer, what that means for him, and, of course, just sharing some some love and appreciation for one of the sport's most uh, uh, giant figures, really, over the last 30, 40 years or so. But uh, we're not going to hit on Kentucky and the Global Jam because, as we are recording right now, that game is in process. But we will talk about how Kentucky did on Tuesday's show and talk about uh, what this means for this team, a team that uh, we were a little bit apprehensive about earlier in the offseason, but has uh, has certainly looked like a much better squad throughout this process. But Isaac, we got to lead today's show talking about the biggest transfer portal addition that happened over the week, uh, over the weekend. I think it actually happened on Friday. That's Javon Quinterly leaving Alabama, leaving Nate Oates' team where he's been for the last three years to head over to Memphis again, kind of replacing Kendrick Davis, who spent three years at SMU, then transferred to Memphis last year, averaged 22 points per game and was an absolute superstar. And, and that's going to be uh, big shoes, big shoes to fill. For Javon Quinterly, I'm not sure we're going to see him, you know, jumping up <laughs> 22 points per game necessarily. That's not really his game. But uh, Isaac, kind of just initial thoughts here before we get into the weeds of, of, of Quinterly ended up over here at Memphis with Penny's team. Well, Andy, you're wrong. It was Thursday. So oh, close. You need to get your facts. <laughs> I was right that it wasn't uh, over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it was Friday, like in England or something. <laughs> there you so. go. This is now a British podcast. <laughs> We'd like to commute. No, I'm just kidding. Um, listen, it. Andy, I'm a little confused by it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to leave Alabama to go to Memphis? If if this was... Confused on the the Quinterly side, not on Memphis's side. No, exactly. Like, if I'm Memphis, I'm elated about that. Yeah, absolutely. But if I'm Quinterly, like, if if this was 2007 or 2008, yeah, I'm (laughs) going to go play for Coach Cal and be with CDR and D-Rose and everybody. Absolutely. But in 2023, it is a step down, Andy to mm-hmm. go from Alabama to Memphis with all due respect to the Tigers, all due respect to Penny and what he's doing. Um, but a guy like Quinterly, I tell you what, can be a step in the right direction. And so um, I, I'm honestly, Andy, a little bit confused by the decision for, for Quinterly when there are other sure, sure tournament areas, mm-hmm. if I, sure tournament teams, programs right. where he could have gone. Yeah, and uh, so it it is a little head scratching to me. But listen, if you can go there, learn learn from Penny. Uh, I love what they added with Matthew Cleveland. That mm-hmm. I mean, it, coming out of Florida State, yeah. recently got Jordan Brown. Like, so there there are some guys coming in, and so maybe that's what Quinterly looks at and says, Penny's putting some pieces together here. Quinterly sees what Kendrick Davis did last year. And, and to that regard, it does 
start to make some sense if they can do it. I mean, you, you look at the AAC as a whole and it's like, hey, Houston's gone. We don't have to contend with that anymore. So uh, maybe maybe he's thinking I can go to I can go to Memphis, eat at Central Barbecue a lot because that place is awesome. Andy, yeah. you ever been to Memphis? I have not, but Man, uh, maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> when you go, you need to head down to FedEx for him and then go to go to uh, Central Barbecue. And the, my favorite one is right over by um, actually, the Lorraine Motel, where is the place where Dr. MLK was unfortunately mm-hmm. killed. Anyway, I'm getting on a complete tangent here. Uh, <laughs> go to Memphis sometime. But, um, you know, it, again, I, I'm a little little befuddled by mm-hmm. this decision, but uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, first of all, it was Caleb Mills who transferred from Florida yeah, State to Memphis. Not me. Matthew, not Matthew Cleveland. <laughs> Regardless, it's fine. It's fine. A guard from Florida State went to Memphis. <laughs> oh, that's too good. I love that we both got to call each other out for a mistake. It's yes. like, oh, uh, of course, that's part of the gig. Part it's the like gig. the end of uh, PTI. <laughs> yes, true. Uh, look, I'm with you 100%. This is a bit of a strange decision uh, in terms of, I, I guess it was a strange decision for Quinterly to enter the portal in the first place and, and leave that's Alabama. I, I think Memphis is a, is a solid fit for him. I don't think it's a bad landing spot. Uh, I certainly think Memphis yeah. is a team that that has a, a very high likelihood of making the NCAA tournament, uh, a very high likelihood of being higher than that dreaded 8-9 seed that they've kind of seemed to fall into a fair amount recently, but you know, you look at Alabama and, and, you know, Jaden Bradley transferred, he goes to Arizona and, and obviously they lose uh, Brandon Miller. Uh, Ryland Griffin comes back, but their, their recruiting class coming in doesn't really have any guards in it. So it felt like there was an opportunity, but you don't always know. Of course, there's always things going on behind the scenes, whether yep. he just wanted yep. a change of scenery, whether there was something, you know, some disagreement with the coaching staff, obviously he didn't start last year until the very end of the season. And from what I recall from some news stories, uh, he, he started conference tournament and then in the NCAA tournament, six start here. And it was kind of at the almost at the request of Jaden Bradley, who kind of said, Hey, I think this team is better when when he plays more when he starts. And and Quinterly was excellent after he started. He got inter- inserted into the starting lineup 13 points per game, shot 40% from three, averaged three and a half assists. And I wonder if there was some maybe some bad blood from from that. And I'm speculating. I don't want to say that I have any any inside information here, but regardless. It hurts Alabama to lose Quinterly. We knew this was going to happen. But for Memphis, you know, they pick up a, a, a point guard in a, in a time when they really needed it, I think. Uh, the, the situation with Mikey Williams right now, as we're recording, is is unresolved. And it, it, there's a real possibility that he does not play much next year, that he doesn't play at all next year, that he has a suspension. Like, we just don't really know what's going on there. He's dude, yeah. an incoming freshman who had a gun-related and domestic violence incident. Um, so I think for for Memphis, this is a huge, huge get to, to bring Quinterly in, to bring him in alongside uh, Caleb Mills, to bring him in really? alongside... No, Matthew, it's Matthew Cleveland, clearly. <laughs> to bring alongside David Jones, who averaged 13 per game at St. John's last year. Like, I, I think Memphis did a really good job of kind of overhauling their roster uh, in the transfer portal. And, and and now they're a team that, like you said, they don't have Houston in the way. And I think there's more of a, a path for them to, to, to not only win the AAC, but to pe- potentially do some real damage. And, and Florida Atlantic is going to be a huge contender for them. And I don't want to dismiss them at all. I mean, this team went to the final four last year. It would be ridiculous uh, to dismiss them because they not yeah. only went to the final four, they brought, they brought everybody back. They brought their coach back. They brought all their starters back. Uh, I think that's going to be a really good team, but Memphis got a lot better. By yeah. bringing in Javon Quinterly oh. and him and Jordan Brown in a in a two week span is a, a really 
really great way to overhaul your roster in July. And not a lot of people are able to, to bring in two high-level players like that at this stage in the game. But shout-out to Penny for being able to do so. Well, and last year, Quinterly was coming into the year off an off-season injury and, and some mm-hmm. rehab stuff. And so it's the kind of thing where – a lot of times it's the next year after that when a guy really gets back to being who he is. And so to your point earlier where I was questioning the Quinterly side of it and you're saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, but for Memphis, this is a huge get and I'm right Mm -hmm. with you. Like if I'm Penny, I'm over the moon about this. And I think Quinterly, I I don't think this is hyperbole at all to say he could be the player of the year in the AAC. Mm -hmm. Like I, Mm -hmm. I could easily see a road, to that um and and it's great because you know you you started the show in the cold open talking about could he you know they got kendrick davis last year in the massive year that he had Mm -hmm. before that penny had been trying with like just stubbornly keeping alex lomax uh as their starting point guard and just didn't didn't get that and there was the whole omani bates thing and so that switched last year to kendrick davis and I tell you, if they could get, uh, if this is a successful thing for Quinterly, it could almost be like what Steve Forbes has done at Wake Forest, yeah. where he just keeps getting great points yeah. for guards to to lead the way. And man, that could be huge for Memphis. Mm-hmm. What what I think is going to be really interesting, Andy, do you remember? You just talked about FAU making to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. They barely made it out of the first round and took a little bit of some iffy officiating you knock off do you remember who it was they beat in round one how could i forget didn't penny hardaway chuck a water bottle yeah yeah (laughs) so these two teams we now expect to be Mm -hmm. at the top of the aac this Mm -hmm. season are the two teams that battled in the first round of the tournament last year and so man i'm just i'm super excited as you said for the new look aac should be a lot of fun and javon quinterly is going to be right at the top of that for memphis well we change from the west side of the state of Tennessee back to the east side where Tennessee's first big acquisition of the offseason was Harvard's Chris Ledlam. But we found out late last week that he is now back in the transfer portal. That was Thursday morning. I was sitting in a Starbucks parking lot when I got the news that he is leaving the Vols a little bit thin on the wing there. Is trouble brewing for Rick Barnes? We'll talk about it in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line, to the over-under, to who hits the first home run in a game. And all of this comes on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you get when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Hey, Andy and I want to sincerely thank all you everydayers for joining us in the dog days right here in the (laughs) middle of July when we're about 17 Mondays away from the first day of games, which Andy, man, 
I cannot wait. Cannot wait. There. Um, and so we're really grateful. Make sure, as Andy said earlier, you tune in tomorrow where we talk about Kentucky playing in those global games. We'll get to all that soon. But before we get to that tomorrow, we want to move, as I said, from the west side of the state of Tennessee over to Knoxville, where Rick Barnes learned late last week. Well, we don't know when he learned it, but <laughs> news broke that Chris, Chris Ledlam, who had committed to Tennessee from Harvard is re-entering the transfer portal. And Andy, well, the Chris Ledlam stuff of it, but mm-hmm. like just in general, man, like I think this it's not going to be a tidal wave of these kind of things, but yeah. this is part of what we're going to have to deal with now, even in June and July is guys committing to a school mm-hmm. and then you see other people coming in or coaches are talking to you behind the scenes. And I think this is just going to be part of our off seasons now in college basketball. Do you feel that way? Or is it like, is this just some one-offs we're experiencing? Cause we still got COVID eligibility. Well, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, we're going to keep seeing it unless the NCAA starts litigating it. And I, I, it's hard for me to know how they would do that. Uh, Cause there's a lot of con- like, like Devin Cambridge. So Devin Cambridge was at Arizona state last year. He transferred, he entered the transfer portal. He went to Oregon by all accounts. He was at Oregon. I assume that he registered as a student. Like, I, I don't know all the process that happened there, right. but then like very suddenly it was announced that, he committed to Texas Tech and it was like, what the heck happened? Like, did he, we didn't hear a report that he, or at least I, if we did, I missed it, that he decommitted from Oregon, that he re-entered the portal. Like, it just kind of felt like this very quick bang, bang. Okay, now he's at Texas Tech. And like, that's really hard for, I, I'm all for player autonomy. I remain kind of staunchly yeah. in favor yeah. of player autonomy, yeah. but there's something's got to give here, whether it's a, a hard cutoff for rosters need to be set at this time or, or limiting the, the number of times you can do, you can commit to a school and then decommit in the same off season, unless there's a compelling reason to do so, like a coaching change. I don't know yeah. all of the, I don't know how to necessarily put a policy together here, but this is interesting that we've seen this now, like Ledlam committed in like April, like he was really early. He was one of the first big names in the transfer portal. He yeah. was uh, a pretty early commit to Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee rounded out a class around him. They added Dalton Connect from Northern Colorado, who's excellent. Uh, they added Jordan Ganey from USC Upstate, who averaged about 14 and a half per- points per game there. Uh, they lost some other guys. I mean, they were at the point where they didn't have any scholarships left. They were secured. Josiah Jordan James said he was going to come back and he was going to be a, a like a, effectively a walk-on on the roster, a non-scholarship player. Now I'm guessing he is going to get Ledlam scholarship here, but like there's all this messiness, all of this stuff happens. All of these decisions are made based on the roster being set as it is. And then a player changes their mind. And again, players have the right to do that, but there is some, some kind of messiness here. I, I don't know the solution, but it's clear that it's, I mean, this is Tennessee's going to be fine. And I think we can kind of get into that a little bit. I think that this is a, a big loss in the sense that Ledlam's really talented, but wow. they had some depth at those spots. But I would be frustrated as any coach would be to lose a key player you brought into the system uh, in mid-July. That's no fun. Yeah. And like, I, I'm curious how the NCAA is going to handle these things long-term mm-hmm. because Ledlam had signed with Tennessee, did that back, I believe, May 10th. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, does that count as his one-time transfer? Right. And now he's got to get a waiver. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. It, it sort of so, seems like if he enrolled at the school and like went through that process, I, I, again, I don't know. I don't know where they are at with that. Man. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about the Tennessee side of this, and then we can look at the Ledlam side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for Tennessee, they have gotten several guys. But I mean, they, 
the haul they brought back was bigger than what I thought it would be. Getting Zakai Ziegler back, obviously, we're going to have to keep um, keep tracking his recovery from injury. Uh, Josiah Jordan James, as you just talked about, is back. Santiago mm-hmm. Vescovi. So that that backcourt yeah. is intact. You love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think unexpectedly lost mm-hmm. Julian Phillips. I really thought he'd be back for his yeah. sophomore year. Um, I would say probably unexpectedly lost um, Olivier Kamwa, who mm-hmm. I you know, similar to Quinterly, I was like, really? You're transferring? Okay. But man, uh, you know, a couple of those guys are still there and uh, man, Tennessee's in really great shape, but Mm -hmm. um, Andy with, with this, I mean, I I know you look at a Rick Barnes team and it's more about like, Hey, we got to guard and we got to defend. But because of that, with what Ledlam was bringing in from a scoring standpoint, I mean, they, they lose that. If, if you're looking at, and I know we, we're not doing a full-on like SEC power rankings right now, but losing Ledlam, would, would you keep them in that upper hierarchy of the SEC with Alabama, with maybe Kentucky? You know, like I, I just, the SEC feels like right now it's probably so wide open. Do you think this hurts Tennessee enough to drop them into like tier two of the SEC? I think so. I, I think it, it hurts their depth in a pretty significant way. I mean, I think that this is a team that has so much guard talent on the roster, like you mentioned, with Vescovy, with Ziegler coming back, and, and Connect is six six. He can play that kind of a 2-3 hybrid. I'm and, excited about him, yeah, man. He's really good, and yeah. I think uh, him and Ledlam were, were somewhat similar in a, in a handful of ways, and I, I remember it seemed a bit odd at first that they both went there, both guys who were high-level scorers at a mid-major school, both guys who were great rebounders, both guys who were six foot six wings like there was a lot of similarities and I remember like uh, you know for myself when I was when Gonzaga was looking at players on the Locked On Zags podcast I talked about both of them as like hey these are two guys who kind of fit the same archetype and then they both went to Tennessee and so it was like well you know if anybody can figure it out I'm sure it's Rick Barnes I, I think they have a plan in place but I wonder a if that contributed in any capacity to led them deciding to leave which as yeah. of right now we don't have any information as to why he chose to make that decision but b it kind of makes me feel a little bit more confident that Tennessee, uh, most teams losing a player of Chris Ledlam's caliber would be really devastated on the wing. And I think Tennessee can handle it more than a lot of teams because they got so many of their guards back and because they got a player like Dalton Connect in the transfer portal who kind of fills a lot of that kind of high scoring off the wing type of uh, archetype that they that they lose with Ledlam. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking back right now at Jeff Borzillo's most recent way too early top 25. He didn't even have Ledlam in the projected starting lineup. Mm-hmm. His backcourt, Ziegler and Vescovy yeah. connected the three JJJ mm-hmm. uh, at the four and Jonas Adu at the five. So yeah. um, I, I don't know. Maybe what, that's why. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there there is that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think they take they've got to take a step back. Yeah. But sure. um you know, it, it'll just be, man, the SEC, it's so hard to know mm-hmm. year in and year out. Andy, let's talk about the Ledlam side of this and where he lands. Um, he is a Brooklyn kid, mm-hmm. and we know that Rick Pitino, man, he's been he's been trying to get, I think, the entire state of New York and the surrounding <laughs> states to come play for him at St. John's. Uh, I mean, do, do you see maybe maybe that's some back channel stuff that led Ledlam out the door in the first place? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's possible. I, I mean, 
it's an interesting situation because if, if Rick Pitino had 40 scholarships, he would fill every single one of them. Like he, this is a person who is very, very dedicated to recruiting as many players as possible. I believe he has added 12, 11 or 12 players in the transfer portal. He's lost basically the entire team as well. St. John's is just going to be, if you watch St. John's casually last year and you turn them on this year, you're not going to see basically any of the same players. And I think Chris Mullen has eligibility left. <laughs> exactly. He does. Dino's going after him. That's for sure. Um, and look, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a New York kid. And obviously the, the bright lights of playing in New York is always appealing. And St. John's hasn't been really a, a good enough team in the last few years to really attract a lot of that top tier talent. But now with a coach who has the pedigree that Patino has with a, a, an overhauled roster that brought in a lot of talent, I could see him being able to kind of take bigger swings for some of these guys. And, and Ledlam was connected to St. John's early in the offseason. Indiana, St. John's, and Tennessee were kind of his top three before he ultimately you know, went with Tennessee. And, and I think if they have the spot, if they have a, a space for him, and that's what, I mean, just trying to untangle what this roster looks like and where everybody's going to play is kind of difficult. But frankly, I could see both Indiana and St. John's still being in the mix here, even though this was back in April when he initially committed at St. John's again, whole new roster, but they'd take a guy who averaged 19 per game at Harvard. I'm, I'm confident they would. And Indiana, they lose Tamar Bates to the transfer portal. They, they lose Jordan Geronimo to the portal. Uh, you know, they bring in Kalel Ware, who's excellent. I think him and Malik Renault is going to going to make a really dynamic front court for Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers, but they could use a, another player on the wing like Ledlam as well. So I think, I think that that's the starting point for looking at where Ledlam might end up is the two schools that were connected to him previously. And him being a Brooklyn native, Patino being Patino, it's hard to not feel like we're at least leaning in that direction at this point, uh, having only recently found out that Ledlam is going to still be available. And Anthony Walker from Miami also transferred to Indiana 6'9 forward. Um, Hey, Andy, by the way, do you know who transferred to Miami? Caleb Mills. (laughs) Matthew Cleveland. Matthew Cleveland. <laughs> oh, I just had to. That's literally the only reason I brought up Anthony Walker, so I could bring that back around and laugh at my own stupidity. I love it. I love it. Well, it's good to get a joke in before we finish the show, talking about a, a, a more somber topic here uh, about Dick Vitale, of course, the beloved college basketball icon. He once and once again is going to need radiation. He shared recently that he uh, has vocal cord cancer. Uh, another tough blow for, of course, one of the game's most prominent figures uh, in really his, the history of college basketball. We're going to talk a little bit more about Dickie V and a little bit more about his current status health-wise uh, coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three here. Andy Patton, Isaac Shade with you here on the Locked on College Basketball podcast. Shout out to those everyday listeners hanging with us here on YouTube or, of course, wherever you find your podcast. We're going to close out the show today in lieu of doing our normal weekly six-pack. A, there's not as many uh, small stories happening in college basketball right now. We are in the doldrums of summer. And B, I really wanted to take this opportunity to to shout out Dick Vitale, a a man who really doesn't need any introduction in the college basketball space. He's been a, a beloved figure for Longer than I've been alive, longer than you've been alive, Isaac, uh, almost longer than we've been alive combined. It feels like he's been a, a prominent figure for so long and and uh, obviously he's been going through a lot of health stuff the last couple of years and, and recently shared that he now has vocal cord cancer. He's going to need six weeks of radiation for treatment. Uh, sounds like it's got a pretty high cure rate uh, and it, they, they're fairly optimistic that he's going to be, you know, this isn't going to. Uh, you know, be a death sentence or anything like that for him. He's going to recover from it most likely, uh, but he's in his, you know, he's in his mid eighties. And anytime you go under, you know, significant uh, medical procedures at that point, it's, it can be scary and it can be hard. And and he hopes to be able to, to be ready for the season, but 
uh, I mean, man, having having surgery on your vocal cords, I mean, uh, cancerous surgery uh, and radiation and all of that, it's just really, really tough blow for, for a man who's gone through so many health problems in the last four or five years. But uh, nobody can say that he is not a fighter because, man, he has he has persevered through this to, to get back onto the, you know, on, behind the mic it is tremendous. And if hopefully it's not the last we've seen of him, but even if it is, I was happy to see him come back uh, recently. But this is another tough blow for, for again, one of the game's greats. It is, Andy. And I, I'm relieved to know you'd, you'd talk about the way your body holds up. But, uh, mm-hmm. from, from his statement that he put mm-hmm. out, at least on social media, it sounds like just radiation, not going to have to have surgery. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that is a helpful thing. Here, here's the thing with Dickie V, man. I know he's a, a, always been a bit of a polarizing figure mm-hmm. just because of how gregarious he is, how kind of loud and boisterous and the, the, the kind of sports-centered type one-liners and ptp and all that yeah but love him or hate him or frustrated by him or mm-hmm. can't stand him or love him and would watch anything he does you cannot argue the fact that this man has done more for college basketball yeah. to bring it to prominence than about anyone else on the face of this planet and mm-hmm. for two men in uh andy and myself mm-hmm. who love this game and want yeah. our career to be based on getting to talk about and enjoy and be part of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like when I, when I talk about what I want to do, mm-hmm. I say, I want to be an advocate for college basketball in the same yeah. way that Dickie Vita, like yeah. that is my goal is like, I, I love what an apologist he is for college basketball. And mm-hmm. I would love to be somebody that does that. Yeah. And um, what an example, a great, you know, I think people just think, Sometimes they're like, ah, you know, he just talks about it. But like Dickie V is a brilliant basketball mind, you know, as as a coach and does all these things. I love that um, he is able to talk about the game and the young men that play it Mm -hmm. without having to be like negative. Like he's not hot takey or anything. Yeah. 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 He just celebrates the game Mm -hmm. and the people that are part of it. And Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that you and I both really want to do is to just get to to share the stories and to to celebrate what we're watching and doing. Mm -hmm. And I think a large part of why we see a a path to being able to do that is because of the trailblazing that Dickie V has done. And so, man, just hope that that um, this is able to go well and that Mm -hmm. we are able to get his voice back. Um, on uh, on the airwaves and see his mm-hmm. face on the TV doing yeah. what he loves to do and wants to be back. And man, I tell you, Andy, I'm someone, my wife and I joke all the time, like, I can't wait till I'm in my mid-60s so I can retire. This <laughs> dude's gone two decades past that <laughs> yeah. just because he loves this game yeah. so much and loves getting to share it with all of us. Yeah. And so, man, as, as wholeheartedly and as sincerely as I can say it, Dickie mm-hmm. V., get better brother. Yes, absolutely. And I, that's kind of the point that I was going to make too, of like, he wants to be back so badly and he wants to, to like, I hope that he does return behind the mic and I hope he can make that, make that transition back to, to calling games because I know that that's what he wants. I know that that's what he wants. I also hope that he makes whatever decision is best for his health. I don't want him to come back if it's going to literally kill him. Uh, I think that he would quite honestly, like <laughs> he seems so passionate and, and, I think in a, in an era where sometimes passion is viewed almost negatively, like to be unapologetically so passionate about what you care about is not always viewed negative or not always viewed positively. And there's people who, who dislike Dick Vitale 
in part because of that. It's also his voice, and it's also you know people have accused him of being a, a, a overly favorite has favoritism towards Duke or whatever, and, and I get that. Um, but he is unequivocally very very passionate about college basketball more than anybody I've ever met in my life, and that includes. You, Isaac, that includes me, that includes everybody who's listening to a podcast about college basketball in mid-July. Dick Vitale encompasses that passion in a way that is really kind of un- incomparable. It truly it is. And, and I think about that, that game that he did return. Uh, it was Gonzaga UCLA in November of 2021 when he got back behind the mic and the camera cut to him as he was him and Dave Pash. And Dave Pash was kind of introducing him and, and they cut to, um, to Dick and he was already already crying already emotional, already just so overwhelmed by getting to come back and do this job. And it was a really powerful moment. And I think that's part of the reason I want him to return because I want to see that moment again. I want to see him come back another time and return to this game and return behind a mic to do the thing that he loves to do. Uh, I hope that, again, he makes the right decision for himself. And if that's not in the cards for him, it's not in the cards for him. But uh, an absolute icon, a powerful figure in this sport. And and I hope that he's back. But uh, I think it's a, an appropriate time to celebrate the legacy that he has created. And like you said, the trailblazing that he has done in in our industry in some ways and really just for the sport in general. Yeah, well said, my friend. Um, man, college basketball is better when Dickie V is a vocal part of it, and <laughs> we hope that that could be the case yeah. one more time. Andy, it feels appropriate to uh, just uh, in the same way you brought us into this segment on a mm-hmm. somber note to uh, get out of it on a little bit more of a, a somber note than usual. So I'll uh, just adjust my usual sign-offs and say apologies to the Vital family. <laughs> Go Dickie V, and until tomorrow. Peace out.